It starts with the desire to live beyond the walls of mediocrity, outside the confines of normal. People who laugh at the ridiculous notion of comfort. It's a community of performers. People with a fire to build their own roads and control their own destiny. Welcome to The Chad Shipley Show. Hey everyone, Chad here. This episode is jam-packed with some stuff that I'm hoping will really get you fired up. And I'll throw out a slight caution for this episode. And the caution is this. I will be swearing. Now, swearing has happened in previous episodes, but today it may get a little rich with me throwing around some heavy F-bombs because, if I'm being honest, it's a good way for me to create the specific emotional state that I'm trying to get myself into with this particular episode. And you will see soon that this episode is actually more for me than it actually is for you. (laughs) With that being said, please proceed with caution. Okay, I wanted to pull together a quick episode and I'm hoping this will intrigue you. Something for you to noodle on, sweat over, and then when you're nice and ready, go hard AF, which means as fuck. I'm going to bucket this under the theme of mental toughness and quick ways to work on strengthening the mind. And the content that I am spinning up for this episode started from an article that I received from Spartan Racing. And I'll share the article on the Leaders on the Rise group and on my website for anyone that wants to actually read it or have it as reference. But I wanted to start with what the article led me to do and thus what inspired this episode. The conclusion of all of this is that I am a weak-ass person, (laughs) but here's the good news, at least for me. I suspect that the majority of us are. The article talked about the use of saunas for performance training, basically how you can use it to dehydrate yourself and then subsequently raise your blood volume levels, which could give you a huge boost before a big event. For me, that's the upcoming marathon. And essentially, it's doing the same thing that Lance Armstrong did, but uh, it's a legitimate way of doing it, which he did not. <laughs> he he cheated. And if you didn't know that, sorry to ruin it for you. Um, Lance Armstrong was like my dad's hero, so that kind of crushed him. Anyway, for the love of God, do not take what I just said with no further research or understanding and recommunicate those statements or start doing that. I'm just giving you the context of how this all started. And on a side note, my good friend Dustin Kalkbrenner, I talk about I talk about him a lot. He's what I like to call a fucking stud. He actually brought the use of saunas up to me prior to even seeing it's me even seeing this article I was explaining to him a very weird phenomenon that happens to me if I have way too much to drink so the next day is a hangover like we're all super familiar with but three days later usually give or take a day I will become the highest performing machine on the planet that's what I feel like and I suspect that it's because I literally use the day hungover to completely reboot my body. I'm a person that never stops thinking. I have like 10,000 things going on every second in my mind, which I'm not saying is a good thing. I'm just one of those people that like my mind never turns off. But when I'm hungover, 
I don't do that. I actually get like complete rest. It's a lot of what like I think people get out of meditation where they're able to completely just not focus on anything and literally shut down the mind, reboot, reboot the operating system, so to speak, which is a real thing. Like you need that. I get lots of rest when I'm hungover that I probably just need both physically and mentally. And for me personally, I'd be much better off to just be more disciplined about taking that time to rest when I really need it. Whatever, doesn't matter. Dustin actually told me that he thinks it might have to do with me also dehydrating my body and then rehydrating it and how the sauna may produce similar effects to what I was seeing with being hungover. Now, there are lots of pieces to this conversation that I'm not building in here. So again, please do not start sauna training or dehydrating your body until you do all of your own research and draw your own conclusions. Now, the thought of sauna for training seemed super refreshing to me, especially given the shit that I've been putting myself through in the last six months. It's safe to say it's the most physical training I've ever done. So sitting for 20 minutes in a nice hot sauna sounded amazing, especially to me since I love heat. I figured I could just listen to a book or turn on my meditation app or just use the time to close my eyes and soak in the pure enjoyment of complete relaxation, basically to try to get to that state where I'm just shutting down my mind, I'm not thinking, and I'm kind of using that to reboot, which is exactly what happened for about the first 13 minutes inside the sauna. At 13 minutes in, things started to get a little uncomfortable. By 15 minutes in, I was convinced that there was no way in hell I could last another five minutes. In almost the snap of my fingers, I went from pure, euphoric-like, beautiful, and uncomparable bliss to complete motherfucking hell on earth. By 16 minutes in, four more minutes was an absolute lifetime away. So trying to get to 20, I was only at 16, four minutes seemed impossible. I can sit down and work for three hours and it would feel like it's working for 20 minutes. That's I kind of described a lot of that in my flow podcast where I was talking about tapping into a flow state. When I, when I get to something and working on something I really enjoy, time flies. But these four minutes were the slowest and most dreaded four minutes I could possibly fathom. At this point, some of you might be thinking that I am over-exaggerating this experience. If you are, you may be a person that has either never been in a sauna <laughs> or never truly tested levels of discomfort. Those that have know exactly what I mean when I say that those four minutes were a lifetime. Now, some of you might be able to relate to this experience. This can be the same experience if you're doing some activity that is really, really hard for you. Maybe it's yoga, maybe it's spin, maybe a treadmill or a run on an elliptical, maybe it's leaving work early every day, which I hope that's not the case, but maybe. Now, in reflection of this experience, I went back in thought to my recent podcast episode with Lindsay Hoffman Brooks, where she talked about her constant push to leave her comfort zone and to continue challenging herself. In her words, no discomfort, no growth. In that episode, she talked about a keynote speech that she gave on showing up as your best self and figuring out your why every day. And she talked about how the speech was terrifying like leading up to the speech, which is exactly why she knew she needed to do it. Seek 
discomfort. Then I thought about my most recent conversation with EJ Hall, where he talked about his amazing journey through 10 years of heroin addiction. In that episode, he talked about the inability to describe withdrawal, and it was really powerful. I would definitely suggest listening to that episode. Even if you're not an addict, you will be able to relate to some battle or struggle that you're having in your life. One of the things that came out is we all have shit. We all have some dark demons hidden inside, and I I think a lot of you will get a lot of benefit out of that episode. When we were talking about withdrawal, to tie it to this episode, from a metaphor perspective, withdrawal was the minute 16 in the sauna. (laughs) So the quick fix for me is to get up and get the fuck out. Like just walk right out the door and I'm back into a state of comfort. The heat's gone and I'm good, right? That's kind of like that withdrawal. Just give in to the drug and you're good. But fulfillment doesn't come until minute 20. So you can get the fuck out at minute 16, but you're not going to get what you needed to get until you get to minute 20. And in addiction, giving into the immediate need, it will cost you a life of misery and maybe even cost you your life. So from a sauna perspective, you're not going to get what you need to get mentally if you leave at minute 16. It, you know, For me, it was a 20-minute episode or 20-minute sauna, and that's what I was trying to get to. Obviously, you got to be very careful with how long you stay in a sauna. You do not want to stay in there if you're getting to the point where you might actually like die or faint or any of that. So don't push yourself to those boundaries. But I started to get uncomfortable at minute 15. So then minute 16 is like, oh, I just need to get out. But taking that easy way out, conforming to that need for comfort, that's giving in to the weakness. So the strength it takes to get from minute 16 to minute 20 is all the power and strength you have in the entire world. For EJ, those four minutes were the last seven years of his recovery, a war every minute of every single fucking day, which as I mentioned in that episode is why I personally believe that addicts in recovery possess a superpower that most non-addicts don't. The superpower comes from the constant struggle. Pain is an international cross-race, cross-class, one-of-a-kind common denominator. We all have it, emotional, physical, mental. Those that have been into the fire become strengthened. I heard a Navy SEAL one time talk about the process of hardening a sword. The sword goes into the fire, the sword comes back out. The sword goes into the fire, the sword comes back out again and again. And in the process, the sword gets stronger. You dip the metal into the fire and then you dip it again and then again. And in the process, the sword gets stronger. It's Navy SEALs, it's their type of training keep putting people into the fire. In my Be Unstoppable episode, I talked about an ex-Navy SEAL named Alden Mills who gave a TEDx speech and he talked about him and all of the men being put into freezing cold water and the drill sergeant basically just teasing them that they had been in the water long enough to get hypothermia. I actually like to name my hardest workouts a dip in the fire. My badass music playlist that I ran up and down Panama City Beach to, I named the playlist A Dip in a Fire. This simple notion has created an entirely new perspective for me. The hard day at work, the difficult conversation, the workout, the housework, the relationship issues, all dips in a fire. 
So I'm thinking about all of these things when a really awesome and profound thought popped into my head. This coming Sunday, two days from the time I am recording this, so it's Friday that I'm recording this, I am running my first marathon. Something that I would never have even fathomed just a few months ago. And I'm a little terrified. My 20 mile, so a marathon is 26.2 miles. I did a 20 mile training run that was absolutely hell on earth. But thinking through all of this led me to a beautiful emotional state. And here's why. I think that I am going to really enjoy the marathon because of the event itself. There's thousands of people cheering for you. There's lots of people to run with and go into battle with together. A beautiful tour around three rivers in Pittsburgh, my hometown, the temple of my sacred ground. It's going to be an experience like no other. And I know that I'm going to really just love the run. I'm just going to enjoy being out there, listening to the music I love, feeling the air, feeling the sun on my face. I think it's going to rain a little bit. So feeling the rain, just being completely embraced in the moment, all of my senses intact, like it's going to be amazing. But at some point, <laughs> it might be mile 12 after the half marathoners split to the left to finish out their day and the full lengthers prepare for the hardest climb in the entire race. Or maybe it will be mile 15. Or if I'm lucky, maybe it'll be mile 23. It doesn't matter because at some mile, I'm going to be in one of the hardest places I've ever been both physically and mentally. I know that. But here's the thing. Me knowing that pumps me up so unbelievably much. That's what I'm looking forward to because it'll be then in there in that moment when I get to prove to myself who the fuck I am. The more that pain hurts, the greater the joy that will come on the other side. I honestly might cry. I might limp. I'll definitely walk. But the sweat and the pain and the misery and the metaphoric four fucking minutes left that seem like eternity are the parts of the race that will bring me all of the glory. Now, I mentioned my 20-mile race. It was terrible for a number of reasons. One, it was my birthday, and it was the last thing I wanted to do. Two, I didn't have a plan mapped out of where to run to. I was hopping around roads, in and out of traffic, up and down hills, running in circles with no idea where to go next. Three, it was raining almost the entire time, like four and a half hours, and it was cold and windy, so it was super, super miserable. I had no water or food, and I stupidly ended the last two miles with an insane hill, hill climb, which I walked. Of all that shit, do you know what I hated more than anything else? I hated the three hours afterwards when I was laying in bed watching TV, the place that I couldn't wait to get to. That's what I now hate. When I was in the run, I couldn't wait to be in bed, resting, relaxing, out of the rain. But when I was in bed, I hated it. I hated every single moment of it. I hated laying there. All I could think about was the hell that I just felt and how proud I was for getting through that. I loved being in the moment. I remembered when I was at 10 miles and I told myself to get to 13 and then turn around. So by the time I got to back, back to wherever I was at that moment, I would be at 16 miles. So I'd basically go three and then come back three. And then I could finish the last four miles. But when I got to 13, I just remember how miserable 
yet happy I was at the same time. Like I was happy that I got to the 13, but I was miserable knowing that I had to go back on those, that same distance I just traveled just to get to 16. And then I'd have another four on top of that. I was soaking wet. I was completely alone on the trail at that point, And it was miserable. In the episode with Lindsay, she asked why I was running a marathon. And we talked about the significance of really understanding your why and how you can keep asking why to each of your answers to get to the core of why you're really doing something. For me, the truest answer is that it's a really good dip in the fire. I want to strengthen myself mentally. I want to do something that a few months ago seemed impossible. I want to put my words and my advice into action. In order to run a marathon, I'd have to work on getting better one day at a time, little by little, until the impossible becomes attainable and then becomes definite. I told her I was dealing with my own demons. Those demons, and I didn't explain this in the episode, but I want to explain it now. Those demons are me not showing up to help a friend somewhere along the way because I just didn't feel like it or me talking behind someone's back or me not doing a job the way that it should have been done or me cutting out on a workout or eating like shit because it felt good or abusing my body with alcohol. I'm doing something really fucking hard (laughs) to prove that I can because doing all the things that were easy will haunt me. The shortcuts will fucking haunt me. They are haunting me. They're still haunting me. I need to figure out. And it's not like it's not like I don't do good stuff and I've just been this piece of shit my whole life. But those little one-off things where I know I could have done it better, they just stick in my mind and they drive me up a freaking wall. And it's like when I got to 16 minutes in the sauna, I thought I was a tough-ass person. I thought I'd go in there and sit for 25, 30 minutes, not be a problem. I get to 16 I'm like a little baby just ready to get the hell out of that thing because I was just so terrified. I was like breathing heavy. I was ready to just break down. And I I told myself like, you're just a weak, weak person. If this is the kind of shit that's going to break you that fast. So those are the demons I was talking about. That's the shit I'm dealing with. That's the shit I want to confront at mile 13, 15, 18. It doesn't matter. That's the shit that I want to go up against in the middle of that race. And what I cannot wait for. Yes, the run's going to be nice. Yes, there's going to be lots of people cheering. I'm going to be all pumped up and jacked up and listening to good music. Some great song's going to come on. I'm going to take the fuck off. And then some shitty song's going to come on. I'm going to realize that I should not have just taken the fuck off because I'm going to be so tired. All of that doesn't matter. What matters is when I get to the point where I'm like, shit, there's no way I can finish this race. That's the war that I cannot fucking wait for. Now, here's the crazy shit. I started taking notes on all of this stuff. I'm a person, as I'm sure most of you are aware of by now, that loves the idea of connecting ideas and insights that I think can help lead me to a breakthrough or maybe open a closed door in my mind or maybe just turn a light on. And... I became so excited on all of these ideas, all this stuff that I'm thinking about, all this stuff that I'm putting in front of you now on this podcast. I was thinking about all these when it came to to minute 16, how weak of a person I was. And by the time I was done drawing down all of my notes, I had gone 23 minutes, an extra three minutes beyond the 20 that I thought was impossible. I went eight minutes from the time that I couldn't fathom another minute. That told me that the body was more than capable of going 20 minutes. It went beyond 20 minutes. The body was fine. It was my mind that was not capable. And when I distracted my mind so much from the pain that it thought was impossible by taking all these notes, by thinking through all the stuff that I like to do, like I basically tapped myself into a flow state of thinking about this kind of content and and what this means to a person 
the self-limiting belief I had was, it just became that it was a self-limiting belief. It was a fairy tale. Now I just watched the movie Creed two where Apollo Creed's son squares off against Ivan Drago's son. Now Ivan Drago was the jacked up like supermodel looking Russian who killed Apollo Creed in Rocky four. So now you have Apollo's son going up against Ivan Drago's son. And there's a point in the movie where Apollo's son, Adonis, is down in the ring. He's been beaten to a point where there is no getting up. His ribs are crushed. He can't breathe. He has sadness and fear in his eyes, blood on his face. He's screaming inside. You can just see that he's screaming and he's screaming in the ring. You as the viewer are screaming, get up. Like, get get the fuck up. Me, Ella, Katie, we're all screaming, get up. And we all, all of us. We love that story, that incredible stand after getting beaten the fuck down. But here's the thing. The only way to get back up is to be knocked the fuck down. The only way that level of triumph comes is if there's that level of pain. If Creed walked into the room and dominated the fight, we'd feel zero emotions. The movie would have a one-star rating, if that. But because they are triggering that emotional state, we all love it. But that's Hollywood. In the real life, we do just the opposite. We either want to dominate the fight or we want to sit the fuck out. To sit on the sideline and to, to avoid it entirely. There's actually a scene in Creed 2 where he's in the car and they keep telling him he's got to refight Ivan Drago's son. And and he's just you, you just you just are thinking like there's no way he's going to get killed. He can't take that fight. He's got to back down. We want shit to be as comfortable as it can possibly be. We want to either dominate or sit out. But the problem with that is that there's no mountaintop triumph when you're standing at the bottom of the fucking mountain. And if the climb is easy, there's not much triumph at the top either. The triumph comes from the really hard shit that happens all along the way. Those four minutes in the sauna were discomfort. They were small dips in a fire. They were a small way of breaking myself down mentally and then building myself back up. It might be an extra minute running or in a yoga class or an extra set at the gym. It might be an extra mile. It might just be sucking something up that sucks really bad, not bitching and complaining about it the whole time. It doesn't matter what it is. It's all about pushing yourself a little bit further and then a little bit further. It's saying I can when your mind says you can't. Now, obviously, I have to say this. Don't do anything that's going to put you in a harmful situation, please. I'm not asking you to push boundaries of safety. Luckily, I think most of us have our comfort level set way before we are any in any real danger of hurting ourselves. But please, please, please don't go balls to the wall in a way that could really hurt yourself. My good bod, Carl Hewn, who I talked about in the past, he probably won't even listen to this because of all the swearing. Sorry, Carl. Regardless, he's a leader of a group called The Huddle, which is a religious gathering for men designed to be a community for men to support one another and to be a place for friendship, recreation, support, etc. Carl had a mountain in his head that was unattainable, but he told himself he was going to attain it. And he worked at steps little by little to get to the point where the unattainable became attainable. The impossible became definite. He told his wife to let him out of the car and then he told her where he'd meet her. (laughs) That is seeking discomfort. That's strengthening your mind and your body. 
You might seek the pain and seek the discomfort and you might not. It might just come. Life's going to throw a lot of shit at you. We talked about that in the EJ episode. It doesn't matter. It could be a day, a week, a month, or a year. It could be 10 years at some point. This world's going to throw some shit at you, and it's going to put you in the darkest place you've ever been. It's going to be rock bottom, and you're going to feel like there's no fucking way out. Regardless of whether you're seeking discomfort or you get life throwing it at you, either way, coming out stronger is inevitable. So go be Carl. That's my message for today. Find some mountain, little by little, push yourself to take those steps, to push beyond that little sense of discomfort, to stay an extra minute, to go a little bit further, to go a little bit longer, to reach out an extra hand, to help someone doing whatever you can do, better yourself little by little by little by little to the point where the only thing that comes out of that is you becoming a better and stronger and more resilient and more prepared person for this life that's ahead of you. If you enjoyed this episode, I would definitely check out Who is David Goggins, The Path of Most Resistance, Men in the Arena, Living Beyond Comfort, and Be Unstoppable. And obviously, I would definitely recommend checking out the episode with EJ Hall as well as Lindsey Hoffman Brooks. Thanks.